When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. My number one album, big shocker to me, also Folklore. Whoa. Are you ready to dive into all things Taylor Swift? Good for a Weekend is the ultimate podcast for any Swiftie. With new episodes dropping bi-monthly, as well as bonus episodes to give you real-time reactions to the latest rumors and news, it's your one-stop shop for all things T-Swift. We also love connecting with our fellow Weekenders, so be sure to connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and or Discord to share all your Taylor thoughts. Good for a Weekend is available wherever you get your podcasts. I know. Folklore just is that like it's a perfect album consequence podcast network hello and welcome to the spark parade where i geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration i'm adam unz at Spark Parade on all social media. Thanks ever so much for joining me. Uh, my guest this week is Everything Everything frontman Jonathan Higgs, who spoke to me about his spark, Chris Batchelder's novel Bear v. Shark. Uh, side note, we discussed this during the interview, but I have no idea how to pronounce the author's name, so sorry if we're butchering your last name, Chris. Anyway... It is very nice when guests pick sparks that are a bit off the beaten track. I'd never heard of this book before, and I like discovering new stuff, so thanks to Jonathan for that. And he's got a super close connection with this book, because it's informed some of the backstory for Everything Everything's new album, and you'll hear more about that in our chat in mere minutes. Quick Jonathan facts. Jonathan Higgs is an English singer, songwriter, filmmaker, director, and multi-instrumentalist. He is best known as the frontman of the art rock band Everything Everything, with whom he has released six studio albums and five EPs. He is noted for having an unusually wide vocal range, particularly his use of falsetto. Everything Everything's new seventh studio album, Mountainhead, an eagerly anticipated collection of songs that meld dystopian Black Mirror-style concepts with abstract art pop sonics, will be released this coming Friday, March 1st. Quick Bear v. Shark facts. Bear v. Shark is a novel by Chris Batchelder, published in 2001. Reading like Don DeLillo on acid, Batchelder's debut is a futuristic one-joke novel about a whimsical confrontation between two unlikely predators. The premise is simple. Bear v. Shark is a monster pay-per-view event staged in Las Vegas in which a bear and a shark fight it out in a tank of water deep enough for the shark to maneuver efficiently, but shallow enough to give the bear an even chance to hold its own. Most of the novel consists of Batchelder examining the event via an acidic, over-the-top running commentary and skewering American culture and the consumer-driven media overload that dominates modern life. And there you have it. Let's jump ahead to the good stuff. Here comes my chat with Jonathan Higgs about Bear v. Shark. Do you remember hearing about Bear v. Shark for the first time? Yeah, it was my cousin Ben back in the days of Facebook. Well, I mean, it's still around. 
he put it in his list of like, you know, five books or whatever, you know, you, you used to show your personality on there with your choices. And one of them was Bear V Shark. And I think I asked him what it was, or he recommended it, or I just read the synopsis based on that. But that could have been as far back as 2004 or something. I think it was a long, long time ago. But yeah, it was as simple as that, really. It was a book that seemed to be finding its way to me one way or another. Yeah. Um, and I mean, do you remember like what appealed to you about it? Kind of what, what got you into wanting to read it? Yeah. I mean, it's an absurd, it's a, it's a very absurd premise. Um, everybody in society is obsessed with this question about what would win between a bear and a shark. And it just appealed to my sense of humor immediately. And it, the more, even the, even the little scraps of it I could find online, it just seemed to be a, it's just such, such a strange approach to anything. I just couldn't believe that there would be something like this to fill a book it just seems completely stupid mm. um <laughs> but in a kind of like uh in an accessible way i just i just it was just pure curiosity but it was more the uh it was it was the audacity of the whole thing it is just as silly as that premise really it's it isn't a very normal narrative at all and the, even the way it's told is is completely apt for what it's trying to do there's you'll get two or three pages of what's happening in the story but then you'll just sort of the next three will be an advert for something like uh an extreme weather channel or something like this where they're talking about how extreme the weather is on their channel and why you should check it out and everything is just so kind of oversaturated and um absurdist throughout and you're trying to relate to this family that don't seem to really operate in a normal way at all they don't seem to know each other. They don't seem to care about anything other than this question: Will who would win in a bear versus a shark? Um, and, and and everything is like that. And yeah, that's fine for a bit. And you're thinking like, well, this can't be. <laughs> you know, where's this going? <laughs> but you start to realize that they they have to go on this journey, um, and you you start to realize the sort of the world that the America that they're in is sort of um, it's not quite war torn, but it's there's definitely lots of bad shit going on and there's some kind of rebellion to this society but because you're spending all your time with this family who are entrenched in this really shallow sort of consumerist mindset they ignore it and so you you don't really get to see it and every now and again it'll be like oh they drove past a burning car or something with bodies and they just sort of start talking about something else mm -hmm. and this happens just here and there and, and here and there i think they're going they might, they might be going to see the event bevy shark I, I can't quite remember so yeah that's sort of the the basis of it but where it where it ends up is kind of in, so insane but i really really was drawn to this feeling of um horror the same like juxtaposed with really commercial satire really that was it just appealed to me so much i feel like that uh mindset is really where i've written a huge number of songs from is not not quite in that world but that approach it really affected me in terms of how to get across dark things without being without turning people off i think and kind of making myself laugh without it without it having to be really stupid it can actually be both and that's sort of how i how i like to write lyrics right then you know having that kind of i i read an interview with him where he was talking about um you know it's it's a book that is in a lot of ways quite prophetic very much the ob obsession with kind of reality tv and the 
uh, obsession with especially like uh, competition. I mean, I'm thinking specifically of like the Squid Game show um, that, you know, everybody's going absolutely insane for. And I read an interview with um, the author and he was saying if he knew what was going to happen, he doesn't think he would have written the book in the same way because being a prophet when you're predicting things that happen like three months after the book is written, it's not like, yeah, you know, yeah. some this uh, faraway future. It was like basically immediately reality TV took off and it was all kind of happening at the same time. And we're still seeing, I mean, even, you know, the presidential election now is is akin to absurdities that you wouldn't it wasn't like that even 20 years ago and you know the the one the next one as we we know sitting here right now is going to be ridiculous but nearly all of it won't be about politics it will be about can this old guy beat this old guy Mm. who can do the most press-ups and stuff like this it's sort of like a gamification of of everything yeah trying to make everything into a game make everything fun and and nothing serious and he got that so right but that, that that thing you were mentioning there of prophesizing to to a degree i found happen with my band a lot as well and i think it's because of this book i think it's because that's how i started <laughs> it's just to turn up what i'm already seeing to 11 and lo and behold that's the thing that happens next and it's happened we've predicted so many things not specifically but like feelings and Big events like Brexit and like Trump getting in were preceded immediately by a, a record that we made that that was basically talking about this rising anger, which arguably was the driving force between both those events in that, in our two societies. Right at the right time, it was kind of uncanny, and then it's happened a few times since. And I think it's because it's this this approach that he's got. I don't actually know how to say his surname. Is it Backelder or Batchelder? That's why I was specifically <laughs> avoiding. I was like uh, the author. Yeah. yeah. Chris, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, it's it's probably it's probably I just don't read that much satire, so it's it's probably not even that unusual. But it does feel prescient. Bevy Shark feels very very prescient all the time to me, mm. and I haven't seen I haven't experienced something that's felt more prescient since I read it. That's why I keep that's why I've gone back to it today, even though I read it twenty years ago. Yeah, I, and that thing about satire, I mean, I guess by its definition, it's about obscuring what is your reality so it can never be too far away from what is actually happening but in this specific instance it's like uh and i think it's the same thing with something like brexit like i'm uh british and american um and my my husband's english and i remember just before the brexit referendum i was like i'm really nervous about this like I, and he's like oh shut the fuck up like this is never gonna happen like we know what the the country is like people aren't gonna vote for that and it's something that's like absurd in a way that is still just i mean this is a little pushes it a little further but it's just within the the realm of possibilities just about uh something that you can imagine happening and i think that's what he does so brilliantly is that it's like um this a lot of stuff is heightened and exaggerated but the idea of like las vegas uh becoming its own you know country and um you know having like independent nations within the u.s because it's such a fractured country none of that seems that far-fetched to me no not at all and also the obsession with you know gamification as you were saying um having some kind of new national pastime that people become so obsessed with and it's something that's you know very online this you know virtual like computer generated thing that people are still going completely mental for um all of that feels like 
it's it's uh something that feels feels a little bit silly but could absolutely take place yeah it's 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 only silly in it's when you see it written down and yet <laughs> there's probably sillier things going on um that we just accept because they're on the news channel rather than the comedy channel right <laughs> right um and like what you're saying about i mean I, american politics but i think politics uh across the world like oh, i was just gone completely insane yeah in the same period yeah like it's un- unrecognizable and it, it's gone beyond be- embarrassment it's it's turned into something well it's very similar to what's happening in america but we've had th- the bad guys in charge all this time mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and like a head spinningly uh fast head spinning amount of change um you know rotating cast of characters nobody really seems to be able to hold on to power for that long because they're all so inept and um such fucking idiots and they'll just drag it all down further every time a new one comes along and mm, yeah and also i mean this the new argentinian president um just oh like, god and i think this dutch one as well or something mm, that's yeah pretty pretty interesting guy right yeah and that impulse that people have that it's feels like part dissatisfaction with the way thing their perception of of how their country is uh, the economy the whatever issues they're worried about of of the day but also they're just fucking bored and they're like this guy's funny yeah why not and that you don't have to dig too too deeply it's it's just like politics it's all kind of entertainment everything is entertainment and it doesn't you know they're all the same but this guy's funny right and not really worrying about the consequences it's exhausting um i mean i guess it is uh shifting gears slightly uh the other thing that i think is a big component of of um kind of the appeal of this novel is the writing style and the kind of constant shifts in tone and it's all you know it feels like um i've I've seen comparisons to like flipping through channels on the tv where it's like little snippets of different things that are happening all over the place and i think he does that really effectively too that's that's very much one of the big things i took from this it's funny because i didn't I didn't mean to, <laughs> but this is this, that is basically how I write a lot of lyrics is that I will switch tone straight in the middle of something in this, in a similar, with a similar uh, sort of palette. So it'll go from me trying to sell you something you, and using all that kind of language to something very, very personal and distressing and then straight back. Um, and people often ask me, why the hell have I done that? Um, and I usually say it's because I think that's what people's lives feel like especially in the 21st century that's there isn't you, you don't have the long winter to think about <laughs> whatever that we used to have you just have like now this is going to happen and now this is going to happen and 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 you have to put on all these different faces and and consume all these different types of experience and be lots of different things a lot of the time and that's how i want the lyrics to feel like it's um is sort of churning and you're lost in there somewhere and all these things are sort of assailing you is is my favorite type of sort of chaos in art i don't really like the like straightforward we're going to have a sad song now and these are all the sad things i'm going to sing about i much prefer to have you know i'm going to write a song about someone dying okay i'll open it with something that's seemingly very inappropriate to be in a song like this at all but that's because it 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 doesn't have to be sort of random it's more that it's a, re- a true reflection of what it feels like and and, a, and that's what songs are is feelings right at the end of the day yeah yeah <laughs> um and also you know i know this book is talking a lot about like 
internet culture and just being bombarded with information and images and sounds constantly. And definitely that has exacerbated um, the inability for people to kind of focus too completely on one thing that everyone's focus is kind of split at all times. But I think that's also just human nature. It's like what you're saying when you talk about somebody dying, somebody dies in your life and it's not like it is complete sorrow 24 hours a day. There is no break. You don't have any other thoughts about anything except this person dying. It's like you are thinking about other things. There are moments of the day where things are still funny. There are moments of the day where, you know, you're confused by something, whatever. It it seems dishonest to pretend otherwise. I I always find Um, it's, it's fine to concentrate on, to focus. Of course it is. But if you want a real uh, reflection. I, I prefer it like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the, the other part of it that in this book is that it is, uh, this, uh, hyper-realized version of our current reality where people are so online, people are so, uh, you know, locked into every single thing that's happening around them that nobody has any time to just be at rest. Their minds can't just you know, B. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's no, there's no downtime to be found in the book at all. The only real, well, have you, you've read it. Have you read mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Yeah. So the, obviously the, um, the end, the, the son gets a head injury mm-hmm. and you can't, you can't tell his dad can't tell if he's affected or not, <laughs> which is, is, is so it's such an insane thing to do. Like, like what is he saying there that's so that's so insane and i love it for that that's uh i wish i had those kind of balls really i I mean the um yeah you can't mean how how much further can you go he's literally he's sort of (laughs) he's lost his his brain Mm -hmm. and he's just like i don't know is is he all right is he he seems all right kind of thing (laughs) yeah yeah i just i don't know i just wanted to mention that that's that i i have put head injuries into a lot of my songs and I and I I'm always searching for a new way to describe stupidity because I've used all the I've used all the words and I don't want to use like bad ones but um that does come up an awful lot in in what I do and I I feel like it's coming from the same place this trying to show my utter distaste for like operating on that level or something I don't know what it is but I feel like I I want to just say you're stupid quite a lot when I'm writing songs <laughs> um and I think I feel like that comes from that world. Uh, <laughs> right. I don't know how else to describe it, but yeah, that it, it's you can't you, you can have the book and you can you can have your thoughts about it, but then but that ending is just such a brilliant sort of fuck you. I think to 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 all of it, it's kind of like whatever. He's literally like disabled now, and and it, nothing's changed because that's that's clearly where they've all where they where they've been throughout anyway. Like the dad has has some doubts when he meets the like tv people in the in the valley or wherever and then it's just like nah just let's go see bevy shock yeah yeah it's, uh... <laughs> time for a quick break because somebody's got to keep the lights on around here but we'll be right back save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey 
and it's also like you know all all of this kind of commentary on how people relate to each other with too much technology being thrown at them all the time and a lot of reviews of the book that i've read have said it's like the family you know the core that family who are at the the center of the book none of them really know each other none of them really have any interest in each other not at all and that's interesting as well just like not being able to have not being able to engage with rea- the reality around you that it's all about this like uh the glossy distractions of screens yeah, and that, um if if nothing else that's the, probably the most um prophetic part of it is this sort of isolationist thing that we're all hurtling towards which obviously was speeded up by the pandemic but we were already well on course and the idea of of a family but when no one comes out of their rooms and when they do it's a bit of a chore mm-hmm. to 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 interact is not is not far-fetched at all like i know people are living like that already and that's only going to increase it just will yeah we people staying in in indoors is massively a thing now isn't it and and why wouldn't it be? You've got everything you need right here. We're both doing it right now. Right. Right. <laughs> but also this idea that like the very worst thing in the world now is being bored and that there is there is no tolerance for it. You know, people, if you leave your phone in the other room while you're going to make a cup of tea, it's like, fuck, what do I do while I'm waiting this like 30 seconds? I don't have anything to do. Yeah. The, uh, the idea of going for a toilet trip without a phone <laughs> right. is like un- unthinkable. Right. And it's like, what did I used to do? I guess I used to read the, de- the back of the deodorant can. Right. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose there were always the toilet books weren't there, but whatever. <laughs> right. Right. But even, I mean, even that it's like the, I'm, I'm just as guilty of it as anybody, but, um, it, there is something hilarious to me about like, you can't just have a shit. It need you need some entertainment while you're doing it. It's like why exactly, why yeah. would you do it if you can't be, you know, flipping through? And if you and if you did if you do for whatever reason not have your phone, then you feel as though you've missed out on however long of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Or you or you could have read something or you could have checked something in that time. There's only a couple of situations where I don't have my hands and therefore a phone. One of them is washing up. And I always find my thoughts really start to wander when I'm washing up. It's because I can't be distracted. And the other one, another big one for me is swimming, mm. um, which I do less than I did. But um, there's no, you can't distract yourself. And so after the first 20 minutes, your brain is somewhere completely new. And I get out of the pool every time and kind of think, oh, this is great. I've had so many good ideas. Why don't I do this more often? You know, not be distracted. And then I'll just be straight back, straight back. Yeah. I find that like uh, in the uh, sauna at the gym after I work out, I'll sit in there and then I'm, you know, that's like, I'm completely free from any technology, but people come in there with their phones and are like looking at videos on their phones, whatever. And I'm like, first of all, that will fuck your phone. (laughs) How much did you pay for that phone? Exactly. Like it's going to melt. And also just again, this idea that even in spaces that are designed for calm and quiet and people are just supposed to like you know be able to contemplate their own existence or whatever for a few minutes and people cannot stand it no no well it's it's funny to use that language because i think it it is a type of fear i think it is a type of revulsion but on a level that's not um 
not you know you wouldn't really accept that about yourself but i think it's a fear that your mind will go to something that you don't want it to not necessarily a trauma or something but just if you leave a mind long enough then it will eventually get to death and it will eventually get to inevitability i think but maybe that's just me but i think that distraction is like a an attractive prospect for for everybody i think everyone enjoys not having to face reality because reality is insane and it, it's it, if you were ever to realize just like what real real reality was like the insanity of reality no i don't think any of us have ever realized it fully but the closer you get to it the the more terrifying it gets i think but it's 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 hard to <laughs> it's hard to like you, no, not many people have let, got to leave the earth they haven't had the chance but those people get a weird perspective mm -hmm. astronauts yeah you know yeah yeah there's actually in uh the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy there's a machine called something like ultimate perspective machine or something and it's a punishment that they do to the worst criminals is to put them in this machine that that shows them allows their brain to be able to understand how big the universe is and how small they are and that's all it does but it just like it drives you insane if you go into it so it's like it's the worst punishment because it gives you like full perspective um it's a good good idea that. yeah 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 <laughs> i i also like it feels like the the intersection with kind of the gamification of everything is there too that or like everything like life being a competition and if you're away from your phone and all of your friends find out who ariana grande is dating before you do mm-hmm you're being left behind or you're losing that race that it's like you have to consume information. You have to be on top of everything. Yeah. Information is the currency. Yeah. And it's, yeah, gathering enough of it to be richer than the next person, I suppose. Right. And also that idea of competition and entertainment and all of that stuff being like shifting from live events things that people can only see in person because you know things weren't televised to things being televised to this idea where it's like virtual fights that people are uh, desperate to see that are super exclusive only a handful of people can actually be there in person but they're still seeing something virtual and it's like the you know abba holograms or whatever where people are going to concerts and there's ac no actual people there well it's like um the facebook versus x fight that we supposedly we were about to get right it was a perfect yeah <laughs> it was bare v shark again yeah the fact that it didn't happen sort of didn't matter it was no it still had a, the same amount of like chat around it yeah very similar um it does feel it feels like you can put you can superimpose almost anything onto this framework of an absurd pointless competition of some description that everyone is interested in i think that's why it's such a successful idea our latest record that's coming out is probably, again, probably closer to, to Bear V Shark than any of ours. Um, even though our first single had very similar stuff going on where there was a, a, I'd set up like this sort of sitcom that was meant to be a bit like Friends and it was very false and very American and, and, uh, clean and everything. And then it had like rockets hit, hit the set kind of during <laughs> it. And it was all, that song was all kind of sung from as if there's an argument going on here, but there's also a bomb going off here. So it was all very, very, Bevy Sharky in terms of its tone. Like people were getting literally exploded and then someone else was like pissed off because of something very minor, but it was all jumbled together. Just to give you an idea of how influential it's been on me. Mm. But yeah, our, our, our newest record has a similar, not similar, but it de definitely the simplicity of this sort of monomyth thing 
a society that's consumed similarly just by building a mountain. That's all they want to do. Everybody talks about building this mountain. How big can we make it? And they, they're doing it, unlike in Bear v. Shark, they're actually doing it. But the only problem is, in order to make it bigger, you have to keep digging. So everyone has to live in this massive hole. <laughs> and that's all there is to it. That's, that's the whole album idea and everything that you can imagine that would come from that. Um, so it's kind of like a religion and you have these kind of priests that keep encouraging you to do it and saying, you've got to get it, make it bigger, got to make it bigger. No one really understands why. They just know they have, they have to keep going and everything's getting worse and worse. You're getting living deeper and deeper in this hole. And there's all these rumors about what might be at the top. And supposedly it's just a big mirror or it's just like a big screen that just shows you like repeating and repeating. <laughs> and that's like the ultimate goal is to get this, is to just get this, get there and see yourself. So yeah, I think it's, it's very, bears very sharky. Um, this all, I love the idea of everybody being consumed by something that's ultimately a bit pointless or a bit, bit ridiculous or actively makes your life worse in the pursuit of it, which is how I see a good portion of modern life. Mm. Uh, obviously I wouldn't say all of it, but yeah, but that is the, the, if I was to die tomorrow and someone said, what, what did, what did he write songs about? It would probably be concluded that it was some kind of message about how we don't live in a way that is good for us anymore or something like that hmm. in a very, very simplistic terms. But that's the the main idea that I always come back to and, and I am personally consumed by. Um, and yeah, this, this Mountainhead. I, oh yeah, so the record's called Mountainhead. Hmm. And that's like a, a slang term that you have for somebody who's really a big believer in the mountain. So like calling them a Bible basher or something. So a Mountainhead is like a, it's not a swear word, but it's maybe not the best thing to be called. Yeah, so that's, it's, it feels like a, an obvious line can be drawn from Bear V. Shark to this. Definitely can. It's absurdist, satirical idea that's pretty simple, but has lots of, Meaning, basically, if you want it to, can be applied to an awful lot um, while still being sort of quite amusing and easy enough to to grab onto for everyone. Just we just got to build a mountain, and we have to live in a hole. Mm -hmm. The end. Right. So yeah, I think I think I I owe him another pint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and again, these ideas that it's like feels like just outside of what is possible right now like you can imagine people being like what like digging down deeper so you can build this big mountain actually yeah i could do that <laughs> yeah yeah i think i think we we're already doing it i think it's mm. we do live in the dark you know we we, we were just talking about this isol isolation of the modern person mm. we're, we're, we're cutting off things we're moving underground in the in the pursuit of it's hard to say, isn't it? What what are we after? What what are we? Why are we trying to get more money as a as a group? What does any of it mean anymore? It's it's all ba built on debt and and lies and numbers on a screen. It's it's very strange world. If you were to pluck somebody out of thirteen hundreds France and try to explain to them what we do now, they wouldn't know. They just wouldn't ever be able to understand it for as long as they lived. And I don't think that we who've grown up with it really understand it other than that's just what we're doing because it's the obvious thing to do. Mm -hmm. You must, you must grow and expand your economy. You must keep growing endlessly and you must live in a increasingly questionable environment. 
in order to pursue this goal. You must live in smaller and smaller houses packed together and, and have things delivered to you. And it's, it's also this like the growing comfort, living more and more comfortable lives. Mm-hmm. So that our li- our lives are 50 times more comfortable than our parents and so on and so on exponentially to the point where we can just sit here and do this and some lovely food will arrive in our hands. And what does it do to, to a society when that's reality? Right. It's, it's just fucking crazy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Just like, you know, kind of being in uh, a river and being dragged along by the current and this, uh, idea of progress and everything is always uh we're trying to make things better by making things more efficient and faster and more entertaining and smaller like technology needs to keep shrinking and shrinking so you can just fit it into uh you know a thimble and carry it with you everywhere your brain right yeah yeah like fascinating and terrifying in equal measure yeah and and unstoppable yeah yeah Ah, lovely, uh, lovely, <laughs> optimistic times. Um, I would say if I'm going to finish on a really basic note, I cannot leave this without saying to you, who do you think would win in a fight between a bear and a shark? Um, I th- oh, man, I, I mean, I've got to go. There's a lot of quite, uh, good arguments given for both, obviously in the book. I think I think it would have to be a shark because I think once you get the bear underwater, mm-hmm. it's dead. Whereas the shark can't come out of the water because that's the playing field is like, I think it's like waist high water for the bear or something. Mm-hmm. So I, that, I think that gives it the edge. Yeah. And, and it's faster, much faster. Yeah. And, you know, for the water to be high enough that the shark can function and move at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's already got the advantage because it can move so much quicker than the bear. It can be like, it could just take a massive run up with its mouth open, take the bear. Mm -hmm. All the bear can really do is like lumber around and it's got its little mouth. Yeah. It's the shark would take it, I think. Yeah. Okay. We've got it. We figured it out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, this has been very very fun i've uh, i've really enjoyed this good one. yeah me too i really appreciate you making time for me thanks for, for having me yeah thanks a lot that was a great chat thanks again to jonathan for making time for me the new everything everything album mountainhead is out this friday march 1st so give it a listen why don't you okay Quick spark of the week from me. Uh, I'm reading The Secret History by Donna Tartt, which everyone else in the world has already read. But sometimes I like to lag very far behind. Uh, it's great. She's such a good writer, and the story is so compelling. And it's also centered around a very thinly veiled version of Bennington College in Vermont, where Donna Tartt and Brett Easton Ellis and lots of other authors and artists went. And my uncle taught there for decades. So it's got a special place in my heart. Anyway, in summary great book. Check it out. And that's about it for this week. Please follow me on social media at Spark Parade. Please rate the show five stars and leave me a wonderful, wonderful review wherever you can. And until next time, bye.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.